just a couple pages into the Word of God. If you're able to stand this morning, let's stand out of respect for the Word of God. Genesis chapter number 3. This morning's message I entitled, Do the Right Thing. We're talking about choose this year. That's our theme for the year. And so today, choose to do the right thing. The right thing. So many people do the wrong thing, but let's choose to do the right thing. Genesis chapter number 3, if you're there, beginning in verse number 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the, of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife, his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living 
Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you for the word of God. Pray that you'd bless it this morning. Speak to hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated this morning. George Washington said these words years ago, Few men have enough virtue to withstand the highest bidder. Few men have enough virtue to withstand the highest bidder. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Cowardice ask, is it safe? Consensus ask, is it popular? Character ask, is it right? Is it right? Folks, we oftentimes make decisions, choices that are not right. Early in the scriptures, as we saw this morning, in the book of Genesis, in the book of beginnings, God creates man and woman. He created everything that is in this world. And God placed man in the Garden of Eden. Now, gardens are a special place. I know that over the years, my mom and my grandfather had some gardens that they would, they would spend a lot of time in. And gardens oftentimes appear in the Word of God. But you find that the special thing about gardens spiritually is that gardens were a place where lovers would go. They were a place where God, in love, placed man in the garden. And it was there that man's love was tested by God. God allowed this to happen. Now, again, I think about choices that we make, and those choices that you will make today, if you go out to a restaurant, you'll make a choice on what you're going to eat. And some of those choices that we make, they have immediate results, and sometimes choices that we make have long-lasting results because there is great power in the choices that we make. For example, we make spiritual choices. You, you will make a choice, if you have not done it yet, on where you'll spend eternity. Salvation is a choice. Surrendering to the Lord is a choice. Which church you will go to, that's a choice spiritually. We make financial choices. You think about maybe where you're living, in a house, in a townhouse, in an apartment. Uh, you think of other financial choices, the car you drive, the job that you actually work day in and day out through the week. Those are financial choices, relationship choices that you make, who you're going to spend time with, who you're going to marry. I read the U.S. News report said that 28% of all children are being raised today in a single-parent home. Those are choices, relationship choices, political choices. When it comes time for election in our country and we have election days, we'll go to the polls and we will make choices that will affect our nation 
that will affect the leadership, that will affect the structure of our Supreme Court of our land, that, that make and bind laws over us as a United States citizens. Those are all political choices. How about moral choices? Today, I think morals are almost out the window. We're living in a world that is amoral. In other words, you take the letter A and you attach it to the word moral, you have amoral, which basically means no morals. We're living in a time where there are no morals. Uh, this past week or two weeks ago, I heard the story about a uh, cheerleader that was suing the NFL. And I, I remember listening to that report. And the reason that she was suing the NFL, and by the way, she was suing for the total sum amount of $1. Her agreement in this lawsuit was had two terms, that she was suing for a dollar and a meeting with Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL. And it kind of piqued my interest. Why would someone sue for one dollar? Most of the time, people want to sue because they find it's a way that I can get rich off of someone else. Come to find out what the story was is that it was a cheerleader that was a three-year cheerleader for the Miami Dolphins of all teams. And she had been a cheerleader for two years before she accidentally, or maybe on purpose, told some of her fellow cheerleaders that she was a virgin, that she was saving herself for the day that she got married and to the husband to whom she would marry. She, they began to ridicule her. They began to tell her that she couldn't live that life and be a cheerleader. Then they made her wear an outfit that really went against what she wanted to do. And for an entire year, she was abused morally because of a choice that she had made. That's the world that we live in and the choices that we make. Listen, our philosophy, yours and mine, is not best expressed in the words that we say, but it's in the choices that we make. The choices that we make. You know, you have to be careful. Even on social media sometimes, when people will post certain things, that a lot of times their morals, their standards may not line up with what I would say would be something that is God-honoring and pleasing to the Lord. And when somebody would like something like that, what happens is, is you are saying by that choice, by liking that, that you agree with that, you are condoning that. We have to be careful about the choices that we make because the choices will define us. In the passage today, we see some choices that were made. This is a portion of scripture that every time I read it, I think about the world that, that, I, that I'm living in, the world that I grew up in, because Satan himself is tempting, as you want to call it, the first family of the world. Adam and Eve in the garden where God placed them. And the decision that Adam and Eve made Listen, just like you and I, right or wrong, whatever our decisions are, especially this one, it will set a precedent in our lives. The Bible says, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. That one man was Adam. The Bible says, and death passed upon all men because all have sin. That one choice, that one decision affected not just Adam, not just Eve, 
but all of mankind, every last one of us. And when I think about the passage in the Word of God, I think back and I told a man yesterday, I said, you have to understand that when God, and you may need to go back to the first two chapters, here's what you find in the Bible, that when God created this world in six literal days, that the Bible says that everything God created, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. Study it yourself. God doesn't make junk. God makes all things good. And understand that everything that God made was good, including mankind. But understand that everything man does, everything that man touches, man destroys. I told a guy, I said, do you have any children? He said, yes, I do. I said, have you ever bought a new car, new furniture, and then your kids start using a crayon? They'll, they'll write on your walls with a, uh, a permanent marker. And I said, and by the way, it's not just little children, it's big people. We came, we came into church about probably a month or so ago, and, and uh, somebody had tagged our building. That just frustrates me. It can be a wall in our city that's not even mine, but I'm going to tell you something that is so abusive and so wrong for people to do things like that, and it's a choice. Look, if they want to paint something, get them a canvas and let them put it to use instead of using somebody's wall on their property so that they can do deface property the way that they are. When you look at the passage this morning, here's what I see is, is that the, the serpent approached Eve. Now remember, the Bible says the serpent is subtle. A lot of us don't understand the subtlety of Satan, how he works. And the Bible says he was subtle and he, he realized the relationship. And, you know, it kind of amazes you when you look at this passage because you have a serpent and you have a woman and they're basically conversing. And I'm going to tell you something. I've had this many days that I've talked to snakes. I hate snakes. I hate snakes. You know, we're living in a world now where there is definitely, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know too many people that will sit down next to a lion and go, good kitty, kitty, good kitty, kitty. <laughs> but see, it was in a different day where God had created this world. God had created the animals and there was a different relationship. And here's why, because it was before the fall. Everything changed. So here's what happens is Satan enters the picture and he comes in as a serpent. This is, of course, before the time that he was cast down. And I want you to see some of the effects of this conversation and the choices that were made. Notice, first of all, the reasoning behind a wrong decision. The reasoning. Look what the Bible says in verse number one again. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. He said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So here's what I find is, is that Satan questions the word of God. He questions the word of God. He comes to Eve and guess what? He pauses and, and, and really <clears throat> kind of gets her to, to think, I'm your friend. I'm here because I want to help you. And so he befriends her and he says to her, did God really say what he said to you? Now, here's what Satan is still saying today, is 
Is the Bible really the infallible Word of God? Satan is still chopping away and doing everything that he can to discredit the Word of God. I had, again, I had a long discussion with someone yesterday right on his front porch, and he says, you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? And I said, you don't? And he says, well, I'm not really sure. And I said, I understand that it takes an amount of faith to believe that the Bible is the Word of God, but I choose to believe this is God's Word. And I will tell you this, is whether you believe it, whether you agree with me or not, I know this. For 34 years, God has used His Word and God has proven to me through what His Word says that this is God's Word. And yet, what does the devil do? Devil, the devil tries to... Because look, if he can get us to question what God has said, then it changes everything. Well, I don't have to do that because I'm not sure if that's God's Word. I'm not sure if that's what the Lord said. And we have to be careful if we get to the place where we become cynical and we begin to question the Word of God. Look what the Bible says in your notes here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. For such are false apostles, look at this, deceitful workers, transforming themselves, the Bible says, into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works, not according to what God wants. And understand, there are many out in the world today that are false prophets, that are false teachers, and what they're trying to get this world to do is to question the Word of God. And here's what we find in this passage is there was a false minister in the form of a serpent. And we find here that Satan questions the Word of God. Notice also he deceives the people of God. Look back in Genesis 3 and verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Now, there is, I believe with all my heart, a personal devil who is doing his very best to deceive the people of God, to get us to question and to doubt. Look, when God says, today is the day of salvation, you know what the devil says? Oh, listen, there's still time. You know, God, God's not going to do anything if you don't decide today. But no man knows the day nor the hour. Folks, we don't know how long we have to live. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians eleven three, 3, but I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Folks, we have to understand the gospel is simple. What the devil wants to do is he doesn't want the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God, to go from here to here. The devil wants us to sit around and to deliberate, to sit around and think, well, 
Is that really what God's? Well, let me think about that. And we want to sit around and have some kind of forum and talk about, well, what does this really mean? I think there's a deeper meaning to that. No, we need to take God at his word. We need to believe what the Bible has to say instead of sitting there trying to figure it out. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. It's God's word. It's not our word. We don't need to understand it. We allow the Holy Spirit to help us to get a hold of what God is saying. All of Satan's apples have worms. All of them. All of his good times, study it out, all end in heartbreak. Everything the devil promises, he'll try to deceive in so many ways. Look at Revelation 12, 9. The great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth how much of the world? The whole world. 1 John 2, 16. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And here's what we find. The choice that was made, because the devil is trying to get them to question. I mean, you know, you think about it, how many times we have all these things, you know, as as a parent, I would tell my children, don't eat before a meal. Don't snack. And then you sit down at the table, nice meal on the table, and your kids are not hungry. They don't want to eat. And you're like, you got into the cookies. You know, here's all this nice food. God says you can have anything in this garden except for. Now, look, folks, we have to see that this woman and her husband, they both partook of the fruit. And it all happened when the fact that she saw and she desired. That's where we get into trouble, is we see things and we begin to desire. One of the reasons that we need to separate from situations of temptation is because when we are tempted and we give into that temptation, what's going to happen is we will cause someone else to stumble. Now look, we we can do like the the scriptures do because you know what happened? They got into the old-fashioned blame game, right? We're good at that. We want to blame everybody else, but what we need to do is look in the mirror. Because last time I checked, I mean, I hear a lot of goes, the men will say, well, it was the woman. She took the fruit. She gave it to me, you know? And you can go ahead and do that. And guys, by the way, don't look over at your wife. Don't elbow her because I can't find in the scripture where she body slammed him, put his arm behind his back and shoved it into his mouth and made him to eat it. He freely did it of his own will, his own volition. But the Bible tells us here that they looked, they desired, and what happened was they stumbled. We call this, in biblical terms, the fall, the fall of mankind. There was a woman and her husband, and they were interrupted on their vacation. They had to make an emergency trip to the dentist. And the woman said to the dentist, she said, I I, I want a tooth pulled, and I don't want any Novocaine because I'm in a big hurry. And so the dentist, he was pretty impressed. He heard this woman, no Novocaine, okay, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And so, you know, he's he's asking her, he says, which tooth is bothering you? And the woman looked at her husband and she said, show him which tooth it is, dear. (laughs) You know, she didn't mind. You know why? Because it wasn't her tooth. You know, listen, folks, the reasoning, so many bad reasons behind decisions that we make. We make wrong decisions. That was a bad decision for that that husband with that tooth to go into that dentist, wasn't it? 
But see, listen, you know what the reasoning will lead us to? Listen, don't, don't miss it. The reasoning will lead to results. Now, what kind of results do we see of a wrong decision? Looking back in chapter 3, look at verse number 14. The Bible says, Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel unto the woman. He said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. Hey, are you starting to see some of the results, some of the effects of sin? I read in, in uh, this week about the Bibb County Sheriff's Office that they came up and have a program and here's the name of the program they, the sheriff's office came up with. It's called Consider the Consequences. This is a real thing. And it's, it's, a, it's a program that's an early intervention program. It's designed to allow youth to see the certain choices that they make and the consequences that, that will come upon them if they get into trouble. They will land themselves in jail or even worse... They might die from that situation. Kind of sounds to me like it's a pretty good idea. Help them understand that what the end of that choice is going to be. And we see that there's always results. Notice there's immediate results. The Bible says here that there would be pain and labor uh, for the woman, that the man would work in the field by the sweat of his brow. You know why? Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, separation. They were, they were expelled from the garden because of what they did, the choice that they made, the sin in their lives. Look, folks, there is a price tag on everything. If you don't believe me, don't. Now, listen, if you try this, don't say the preacher told me to do it. But you go to the store afterwards, walk in, find something you want, and just walk out without paying for it. I can't tell you how many times recently that I've been in Walmart and I've walk, I'm walking with my stuff in bags or in my cart. I'm walking out uh, in that area where right before you go out the store and all of a sudden I'll see these guys come out of nowhere and swarm on someone right in front of me, right before they go out the door. They came out of nowhere. There's a little bitty door right inside there and there are people that are in there and anyone that shoplifts, they just converge on you before you even get out the door, and they take you right in there. They don't hang anything out in public. But I'm going to tell you, I've seen it a couple times, and I don't see those people going, oh, boy, I get to go have a good time with these guys. No, the wages of sin. There's always a price to be paid. The immediate results, the Bible says, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. It's hard. See, there's immediate results, but then God also says that there are long-range results too. Hey, think about this. Adam is the federal head of the human race. Look, God created Adam. He's the first man, right? And believe it or not, we're all descendants from the same guy. Do you know we're all family this morning? Yeah. I mean, you think about it, really. Everybody descended from Adam, and as, as, as we understand this, the results of Adam's sin are far-reaching. I shared with you earlier, Romans, look at this, 5.12. Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for all have 
sin. You might be sitting there this morning saying, well, not me. Well, you just sin right there because you just lied. You see, we're all sinners. There are immediate results and there are long-range results to our sin. But notice, as we reason our way through, the results come, but I want you to see what happens when the restoration takes place after a wrong decision. Folks, that is always God's desire, is that there would be a restoration. Look here, God desires for everyone. I told the man yesterday, God is not willing that any would perish. God wants all to come to repentance. And how does this restoration take place? It requires a person, and his name is Jesus, the Son of God. Now, we see this, look in your Bible in verse 15, because this is a great verse. I hope you know this verse in your Bible, but I want you to look at it. The Bible says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, does anybody know who God's talking to in this verse? He's talking to Satan, right? So God is giving Satan what is ultimately going to happen to him. Now, I love this because the Bible says here that it shall bruise thy head. Now, when it talks about this word enmity, the word, if you want to simplify it down, here's what it means, a blood feud. There's going to be a, a fight, a battle and he says it's between the woman, and here the woman is Eve, and the serpent. Now the serpent's the one that deceived her. And the Bible says here that God is promising the serpent, Satan, that eventually that the, the seed, her seed, would be the one that would bruise or crush the head of the serpent. Folks, Satan thought that he won when Jesus hung on the cross and died for the sins of the world. But there's going to come a day where Jesus will rule and reign, and old Satan will be cast out. And we, we need to understand this. The Bible talks about the seed of the woman is the Redeemer, Jesus himself. Look at Luke one thirty-five. The angel said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. Romans 5, look at these verses. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that hath not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, that's Adam, Many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, who hath abounded unto many, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, that's Adam, 
Judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, that's Jesus. The free gift, notice free gift, the Bible says, came upon how many men? To everyone. The justification of life. So restoration, when we make a wrong decision, God wants to restore us back to himself. Well, how does that happen? It required a person. Notice, secondly, it required a payment. The Bible says in Romans 5.18, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Aren't you glad this morning for what Jesus has done for us? You know, from time to time, I hear great stories of sacrifice. Now, none of them ever match up or compare to what Jesus did for us. But I was reading about in 1943 that the U.S. Dorchester sank in the North Atlantic after being torpedoed by a German submarine. In an unforgettable display of sacrifice, four army chaplains removed their life vest and they gave them to four enlisted men. The chaplains, they're often called the four chaplains, sank with the ship with their arms wrapped around each other's shoulders. Those four gave their lives so four others could live in their place. And Jesus died not for one other person. He died for the sins of the whole world. I think about how it required a person, but it required a payment. The Bible says God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you. He died for me. And the Bible says much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us. Peter wrote, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit of God. Hey, I love the fact that the greatest choice that anyone could ever make, and I told this man, the greatest choice I've ever made in my life is not where I live, not who I married, not the job that I have. It's that I would accept the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You see, we have to remember that gardens are places where lovers go. Do you remember where God's son went to a garden? It was called Gethsemane. Jesus poured out his heart before the Lord. He said, not my will, but thine be done. It was God's love, the love of Jesus for us that took him to that garden. And he gave himself. He was willing to carry the cross. Jesus gave his life without any bitterness, without any resentment, without any anger. He did it and gave us complete forgiveness. You see, you and I need to come to the garden today.
We need to come to make things right between us and God. Do the right thing. Well, what is the right thing? To love Jesus. To accept Him as your Savior. To live for Him. You remember the two thieves on the cross? The one began to mock Jesus. If you are God, why don't you get us down from these crosses? But remember what the other one did? He looked to Jesus. And he said, Lord, remember me when thou goest into paradise. And Jesus' promise was, this day thou shalt be with me. Because he believed on the Lord. See, when we have to make a choice and we don't make that choice, that in and of itself is a choice, folks. We have to choose to do the right thing. Choose to trust him as your savior. Choose to obey him as your Lord. There's a man that has been a blessing to many using the musical abilities that he's had. And he wrote a song years ago, and I want to read you the words to that song. He wrote these words from his heart. He said, from the very start, have purpose in your heart to do what's right and never question why. Never count the cost. Though everything seems lost, the price for doing right is sometimes high. Right is always right, and wrong is always wrong. And we must learn to separate the two. If you love the right, the Lord will give you light. So seek the right in everything you do. Do right till the stars fall. Do right till the last call. Do right when there's no one else to stand by you. Do right when you're all alone. Do right though it's never known. Do right since you love the Lord. Do right. Do right. Let's bow our heads this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder this morning about the choices that you've been making in your life. Have they been good choices? Have they been godly choices? Have you made right choices? Or have they been wrong choices? You see, many times we reason our way through. We may not have Satan in the form of a serpent whispering to us, but we might in our flesh Say, you know, I don't think uh, this is wrong. I don't think it's a bad thing to do this. I don't think there's anything wrong with watching this. And we make wrong decisions. And those wrong decisions have results. Some are immediate. They affect us right away. Some are long-term. They reach far into our lives. They cause other people to stumble around us. Whatever decisions you've been making today, if they are decisions not pleasing to the Lord, can I tell you that God gave His Son, Jesus, so that you can be restored back to Him. And I want you to understand this morning that God's heart is there would be a restoration. Let's get to the place where we're making right choices. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, we want to give you the opportunity today. That'd be the greatest choice you could ever make, is to choose Jesus. Let's stand this morning with our heads bowed. The piano's playing.
God's speaking to you about something this morning. I want to invite you. Would you come? Would you come and maybe get at the altar alone with God? If you need somebody to pray with you, we've got ladies that will pray with a lady. We've got men that will pray with a man. Why don't you come this morning and say, Lord, I haven't been wise in the choices that I've been making. I've been making some wrong choices. If the truth be told, every one of us this morning ought to be on our face before God because we all make wrong choices. I've made a bunch of them in my life. Why don't you be determined today? From this day forward, I'm going to make choices that are right in the sight of God. That's pleasing to the Lord. Some of you may need to choose to come to Jesus today. The invitation is for those that want to come, come to Jesus. Would you bring your burdens? Why don't you come today and say, Lord, I'm tired of choosing not to accept you into my life. Whatever it is, would you come? Some are here at the altar. If you're still in your seat this morning, as the music plays with your heads bowed, why don't you ask the Lord to help you with the choices? I hope you see the results this morning. And I hope you don't choose to have some of these things happen in your life. 